Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Callan FM. With me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And in other news this week, before we get on to our topical discussion, there's been a ransomware attack on a global aluminium manufacturer, which is leaving companies with considerably smaller IT budgets worried about their own vulnerabilities. The Information Commissioner's Office has fined Vote Leave Limited £40,000 for sending out thousands of unsolicited text messages in the run-up to the 2016 EU referendum. And because of the timing, you'll note that the fine level is at the pre-GDPR level. It could have been a lot higher if what they'd done was after May 2018. And Google has been fined 1.49 billion euros by the European Union for its third breach of EU antitrust rules in three years. And this time it was for blocking rival online search advertisers. So our topical discussion this week is none of those. We've plumped for the headline which came off the back of some research um, that came out of the ONS. I traced it all the way back, Heather. So Heather sent me a headline (laughs) and it said that just 23% of UK workers felt it financially worthwhile to return to work after having a child. And if you drill down and look in through all of the references, that's come on the back of the ONS report, which um, was published um, just recently. Uh, and it's their commentary on employment and the labour market for March. But what was it about this headline that caught your eye, Heather? I just thought that it was it was a really interesting statistic because um, we all know that childcare costs are a consideration for for parents. I'm not a parent, but even I know that there's a very thin line between how much you can reasonably earn, how much it costs to to have your children looked after, and then what are the psychological benefits of going back to work rather than only being a a stay-at-home mum or dad. Um, And then on, on and then that guilt thing about whether you are better to be at home or whether it's selfish to want to go back to work. And, and so that it sort of posed more yeah. questions than it did There's answers, There's a lot of really. other things as well, because as a mum who did decide not to go back to um, employment, I, I took a long period of self-employment after I had my children. And, and part of the thinking is I, I'd, I'd had quite high-powered jobs before that. And... I was almost at the point where I'd, I would have to make a choice between continuing to maintain that big job and expecting to put in all the hours or being a parent. It didn't seem, I mean, and we're talking 13 years ago now, things might have moved on, but I'm not sure they have. And and so it's the the lack of flexible working or the lack of appreciation that, you know, I might need to nip off at half past three to pick my kids up or I might have a parent-teacher meeting at 10 o'clock in the morning. Those sorts of things I didn't want to deal with in the workplace. And so I, I plumped for self-employment for a long period. And it, it does seem, looking further into the figures, that more and more women are turning to self-employment. There was another article I noticed in People Management just this week based on the same core data from the ONS, which says that more women are turning to self-employment and experts are calling it a feminist issue. Uh, women in self-employment rose by £31,000 in the last quarter, £31,000, 31000 in the last quarter of 2018. And self-employed mothers now account for around one in eight of the self-employed population. And I think that's all connected to it. it I, I say it's very complicated and I think 
every individual will have their own reasons why they do this. But uh, it, it's a fascinating subject that's much too big to discuss in 10 minutes on the radio. But um, yeah, it, it captured both of our imaginations. Yeah, I, I found some stats um, on the ONS site and it says that the employment rate for mothers uh, in April to June 2018 was 74% which has increased from 68.9% in 2013 and 61.9% in 1996 when they started gathering records. So although a lot of women are going to self-employment, they quote quote these employment rates. Now, are they including self-employment in those stats? Because the growth suggests that they must be. They're, they're, they are definitely including zero hours contracts uh, yeah. and women do tend to take the brunt of the zero hours contracts okay. as well. So re- reading into that, um, there's a couple of commenters, commentators, yes, well, yep. one or the other, but people who make comments Com- yeah. on this and saying that um, actually noticing that women are, are, are moving towards self-employment and hence they're not um, out of employment. So yes, they, they are... Um, clusters economically active however they're not getting the same sort of support and they're saying that and, and we've been talking about this for years haven't we about all self-employed people not just women need more support they're, they're coming off the unemployed numbers mm-hmm. but there there aren't any there is no support for them for maternity leave or sick pay or holiday pay or anything like that so you know it, it's quite a, a risky um state financial state to be in to be self-employed there was a, another view given um a solution architect for emea at corn ferry i've not got a clue who that is what he does but he made a really good point and he was saying that companies need to look at the benefits that they're offering with employment um and and challenges that we've got with employment of attracting the right staff and indeed retaining the right staff, then they have to look to to deal with the flexible working schemes, better work-life balance, career development programmes that fit in with having children. And actually starting to bring those things in is it, almost going to be a requirement to retain and, and to attract the staff with the skills that you need. I think I think that is a biggie from a business point of view is how much um, enhanced maternity pay um, you offer. Um, there, the, again, there was, there was another article um, on the ACAS website. Now, it is, um, it's a few years out of, not out of date, a few years ago. However, it was a survey that was conducted by Money Supermarkets, the online price comparison people. And they were looking at um, how many women cut short their maternity leave because they can't exist on the lower rates, you know, because it's usually scalable. It starts off at 90% of pay and works its way down across the across the term. So people were returning to work um, and I know a big thing from um, involvement in the education sector because there are 15 free hours a week of childcare. I know that that's putting huge pressure on nurseries because people will take their free 15 hours but then don't want to pay for additional support. So effectively, nurseries are 
are getting you know the lowest possible amount of revenue from each family because people are saying well I'll have my 15 hours um, but I don't want to pay for any additional so they're working these part-time hours so I think the whole story as I said at the beginning it poses more questions than answers but it it just caught my eye and I thought is this is this is this a thing Uh, is 23 percent a high percentage of people to think that it's it's you know it's it's costly um i don't know no, only 23 percent return to work well yeah, yes yeah. So, so that's a high number that decide not to yeah so i, I yeah i don't know i don't know but so if you are one of the people that either chose to return to work after having children or decided not to be really interesting if you joined in the conversation with us or if you're an employer because, of course, these things, you know, maybe you have crash facility at work. Maybe you give childcare vouchers as part of your uh, benefits package. Yeah, I think we, we'd be interested to know more about that, wouldn't we, Trace? We would indeed. So you can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the business community, Callan FM. Or you could go to our website and leave a comment on the blog, which is thebusiness.community. In the news and events section, we've got um, I've got a, a mixture of things for you this week. Uh, taking place on the 3rd of April in Chester, Crona are holding an employment law seminar, um, which is free to attend. You just need to um, pop along to Eventbrite uh, to get details. Uh, Amanda Chadwick is the lead speaker talking about employment law, health and safety and employee well-being. Uh, and then uh, Jill Coote is talking about uh, human resources and organisational development. Um, so that looks like a good one if you employ people and you want to get your head around the latest employment law updates. Uh, I tracked down one later in April, um, which is, I think I may have mentioned this before, but I think it's I think it's worthy of a re-mention. The 11th of April, it's a CIPD Wales event. Rewrite the rule book on workplace conflict. It's being held in Wrexham. It's a paid event. Um, It's at the Ramada Plaza. It's about £35-£40, depending on the Eventbrite um, uh, charges. Um, And it will explore why employers and employees keep using formal processes if they don't work well. What gets in the way of alternative approaches and um, things like conflict coaching, facilitated meetings, mediation and neutral assessments and examples of what works well in practice. So if you're if if you have people who have to have difficult conversations or a little bit nervous about managing performance in the workplace, I think that's probably a good one for you. And then on the 24th of April, The power of lead generation, turn why into wow. This is being held at the Holiday Inn Chester South. Uh, It's a free event. It's hosted by NatWest and Love for Marketing. And it looks at lead generation, um, access to some digital marketing funding um, and building a plan, a 90-day plan where you will use 
you can use social media to get a return on investment and to generate leads. So those are your three events for this week. Tracy, what have you got for us? Okay, I have got one event to mention, and it's a tax and bookkeeping workshop next Thursday, the 28th of March. It's at Redwither Tower on Wrexham Industrial Estate. It's between one and four. So if you're going to this, make sure you listen to our podcast of this show. Don't miss out. And this workshop is aiming to provide information to support you with personal capital allowances, simple tax, NI calculations and self-assessment. They will also answer the question, why is bookkeeping important? Mm -hmm. And how to keep records to ensure you have control of your business transactions. They're also going to be discussing digital tax um, to help um, you to be ready. And they're going to give a presentation to explain what digital tax is and how and why it's being introduced. It's a free event and it's hosted by Business Wales. You need to go to the Business Wales pages, which is wales.business-events.org.uk and you'll find the event there. Then I leap over to news. So on Reuters this morning, there's a new report by a firm called Expert HR, a company that collates data on pay settlements at large employers. Now, they say that British private sector employers are expecting to give staff an annual basic pay rise of 2.5% this year, which is the same as 2018. Although they do expect there will be some delay in awards until after the government's Brexit plans are clearer. <laughs> whenever that's going to be <laughs> so uh, although I'm not promising you two and a half percent that is not why I'm saying this it is expected that larger private sector employers will be paying in that region and expert HR said that firms were offering higher pay in order to match their competitors and to tackle recruitment and retention issues um, while ma- higher mandatory employer pension contributions and Brexit uncertainty were factors that were weighing on pay. Now, interestingly enough, there was also a comment to say that the Bank of England is citing the tight labour market and weak productivity growth as the main reasons why it will need to raise interest rates over the medium term. However, the short term, they're staying the same because of, you guessed it, uncertainty over Brexit. And then I'm going to bounce back to the ONS before I come back to Heather with her challenge that we set her last week. (laughs) So news from the ONS this week is that Britain will launch a new set of early warning indicators aimed at spotting the next big economic downturn more quickly. And it will be based on the volume of road traffic, businesses' VAT returns and how long ships spend in port. The ONS says its new indicators would be launched in April And it will be, in many cases, available earlier than the gross domestic product data, which is the main measure of how fast an economy is growing or shrinking. They did caution against the use of the new indicator as a predictor of GDP, but they said it would be able to identify large changes in economic activity. So I shall keep an eye out Mm, for that. Now, Heather, back to you then. We set you a challenge last week. (laughs) We were talking last week about the, the basket of goods and services that they used in the calculation of the retail price index and other measures. So you said... How interesting would it be to go back and look at when I was a child? What have you found? That it's 
slightly interesting, but not as fascinating as I thought it was going to be. So what I decided to do, I was born in the 60s. So I decided to go back to 1977 because that's a year that kind of stands out in my mind um, and look at what they have. And a couple of things that that leapt out, um, for example, um, leisure services, TV licenses and rentals, television license fee and rentals for various types of TV. Television rentals. Not many people rent TVs these days. Um, Then we moved on to um, petrol and oil. Four, three and two star petrol and engine oil. Wow. <laughs> I'd even forgot that was a thing. Uh, personal services, various hairdressing. There's no nail manicuring or, or waxing or Botox or anything like that. Um, and then going further up, what did I see? Um, oh yeah, domestic services, domestic help, shoe repairs, laundrette, laundry and dry cleaning charges and watch cleaning wow (laughs) (laughs) which i just thought was hilarious um and then one other that caught my eye oh yes it was um alcoholic drink (laughs) no surprises there why did that catch your eye so there's beer um draft premium and ordinary bitter lager mild and stout bottled and canned light pale export ale brown ale stout lager and barley wine and beer in party containers (laughs) and the wines and spirits it says whiskey gin and sherry no mention of wine (laughs) so interesting um I, I, yes, I, I could waste a lot of time drawing comparisons, print them all out and get my highlighter pen and pick out the funniest ones. So um, that, along with tinned vegetables and tinned fruits, um, featured highly in 1977 in the RP, RPI basket of goods and services. You're listening to The Business Community on Calon FM. And this week I chose the book. I've got to say, it's a bit tight on this book because we loved last week's book so much that it's a bit of a hard act to follow, isn't it? I've been carrying pig wrestling around with me all week. So have I. Telling everybody about it. I just left it in my bag and I kept forgetting to take it out. Ah, No, I meant to. (laughs) You meant to. So this week's book is called The Power of Creativity. Learning how to build lasting habits, face your fears and change your life. Now, I don't know why I was attracted to it. Maybe it's the animals on the front. If you've got a book with an animal on the front, then then do let us know. Because this has got a... Well, I don't know what it is. Is it a donkey and a zebra? It's got spots on it. It's it's a very zebra. It's a hybrid. Type of, yes, it's a hybrid animal on the front, <laughs> and I suppose that's the essence of creativity here. It's by a gentleman called Brian Collins, and it was available on Kindle, which was one of the plus points because we wanted to access it quickly, and it was also if you have Prime free at the time that we got this. Can't guarantee it will always be free. And it's part of a series of books on creativity. Now, it's aimed at, according to the author, creative people. But don't let that put you off. He's talking about creative industries like artists and musicians and writers. But I I like to think that as an accountant and an IT person and, and various <laughs> other things, I too am creative. You're yes. very creative. So, so don't don't leave me out of your book, mate. No. I I still found it quite interesting. I, I actually do have um, an interest in creative stuff as, as hobbies. I write and I paint. I've, I've even built walls and things like that. But <laughs> I don't know if that's creative. But That's called a side project. A side project. According to this book. Oh, right. Okay. Um, 
so I liked it. The only problem was I then left the book because it inspired me to go on and do something creative. <laughs> so I, I was in the process of writing a story uh, for a book club that I attend. And it's a book club where you both read a book and you write a story. And I'd read the book ages ago and I'd got an idea for a story, but I just wasn't writing it down. I was playing it around in my head. And actually, I have to say, it's a testament to this book. I put this book down after reading um, a fair chunk of it and then picked up my pen and paper and started to write my story. So my st- so you don't panic. My story's due in tomorrow at the book club. It's written. I've done wow. it. And I would say I probably was inspired by the book to do that. However, what I didn't do was feel inspired to go and pick the book up again. So maybe it had just fulfilled its purpose for me at that point. I still have it on my phone and I liked the style of writing. It's an easy, easy book to read. And I liked, as I often do, real stories with real quotes and, and, and things that you can use as metaphors to, as I suppose it would be, a creative um, way of telling his story. Um, that, that I found it really enjoyable. Did you read it, Heather? I Did you feel in, inclined to buy it and carry it around with you? Uh, I don't. I don't need to own a paper copy, a hard copy of this book. I have it on the Kindle app, and that that'll do me. Um, he uses, uh, he quotes people like um, uh, Salvador Dali, Paul McCartney. Um, he mentions a lady whose name escapes me at the moment, but she's a she's a a, a, a famous choreographer from the from the USA. God, weird name begins with tea anyway um but so it is very much focused around those those sort of creative arts however uh, a lot of what he says does translate into the world of work uh and in particular um if you're working on a project or you're if you're stuck with something there are a few things that um that actually translate and, and transfer really well um and the the one bit that that really caught my imagination is um, he's talking about writing, um, but he talks about finding a creative master and finding a mentor. And this really resonated with me because I remember, um, and I may have told this story um, in the past on air, but I was working with a young man who was a young artist, and he really was he was struggling with finding his purpose and finding his motivation and and finding the success that he deserved and so i asked him to write down who he who he admired most in the world of art and one of the people that he so he wrote down about five different people and one of them was wayne hemingway from red or dead and um i said right i want you to write to each of these people and um, asks them whether they agree that these qualities are the types of qualities um, that you would find in a successful artist. And Wayne Hemingway responded. And the guy I was working with looked at me like I was mad, suggesting that he contact. And OK, I didn't know Wayne Hemingway was going to write back, but he did. And his... He, Thank it, goodness it makes you look really good. It makes me then, look really good. <laughs> but it, but it, the transformation in that young person, that somebody who he respected and valued the opinion of actually reinforced what he was already thinking was really really powerful and so in this book that's what he's alluding to really is find somebody that you admire and that you look up to and emulate them track them down um, look at what they did find out their story use them as a role model 
And I think we can all do that. Yeah, no in, matter what whatever. industry you're yeah, in. Yeah, whatever you, you do, yeah. There was one of the stories that appealed to me uh, for, for a number of reasons because I, I sort of recognised the story from uh, from my memory. But a, a gentleman called Glenn Hansard, you might recognise him. He wrote um, the film, the story and the music for Clo- um, Once. Okay. And he starred in it as well. And um, he dedicated his life to creating music. But then he won an Oscar for the main song um, in, in, in that film once called Falling Slowly. And after that, he fell into a depression and drank heavily. And he, was, he couldn't work out what had gone wrong in his life until he met Bruce Springsteen, like, like, like you just As do. you do, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's, Bruce Springsteen said to him that everything that he had ever been in his life, the guy that struggled against the world had died on the night he won the Oscar. So now he was in a different phase of his life. He was wearing a different suit and he had to learn to embrace this new New life and to enjoy it. And he said at that point he he just turned. And I think sometimes uh, it's really important to recognise when you've achieved your goal and then what do you do? Yes. Yeah. Where, where do you go with it? Yeah. And I, th- I think sometimes you then you realise perhaps midlife that you've got to change what your goal is because the thing that you set out hoping to do when you were much younger, you've done. And so you don't just then stop and give up, which is what Glenn Hansard did effectively by by turning to heavy drinking. The other thing I, I liked is a story told about a chef who, when interviewing, would, would have a meal. Oh, was it a chef? I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure it was even a no, chef. No, he wasn't was a it? chef. No. He was interviewing, yes. He was a businessman who would take his new recruits out for a meal. Yes. That's right. And if any of his interviewees put salt on their food before tasting it, he didn't want them mm. because they would assume... Um, you know, they'd make assumptions before weighing up the facts. And I, I, I can't honestly now remember who that was, but the, the salting your food before tasting it stuck in my mind. So, yes. so clearly it's had an impact. Yeah. I don't need to know the details apart from when I try to tell you about it on a radio show. <laughs> so uh, anything else in the book that you feel would recommend it to anybody who is thinking about buying it so i mean if it's free and you have a kindle then by all means go and get it and and have a look but uh, obviously i sometimes i feel uncomfortable saying somebody yes you must go out and buy this book do you think there was anything that where if this was a paid for book you'd say you must own it i don't feel that i absolutely must own it but um but as i say there are there are some some elements that translate i think it's it's a good book to read um, it doesn't. It doesn't take long to read, uh, and what it does do, and I really, I do really like this in a book, is at the end, at the end of each chapter, it gives you some creative takeaways. So, if if you don't want to read all all of the book, you can just look at the takeaway. What's this saying? Um, for example, in one section, he says to to break your your task down into chunks. Work on your idea for just 10 minutes today, 15 minutes tomorrow, and 20 the day after that. Through the power of small daily wins, you can accomplish more on the blank page or virgin cam- canvas. So he's, he's, it's it's a bit like that. You know, if you want to write a book, start writing. You know, and, and, and that's true of, you know, if you want to make, if you want to do telemarketing, the first thing you've got to do is pick up the phone. You know, it's that type of mentality. So, yeah, I wouldn't rush out to buy it buy it but if you have access to the first chapter free via kindle 
You can always read a sample chapter and just see if it resonates with you. Um, Or if you can get it um, as part of your Prime membership, then I would get it. Well, I feel I need to right the wrong of not remembering the name of the person that judged people on whether they salted their Have you their just food. checked it out? I have. I've just checked it out. It's actually Thomas Edison. Quite famous. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I, I would recommend it as a book to, to sort of dip into and, and uh, potentially, you know, you, you might get inspired by it and and by all means I, I think it's really well written and it did inspire me to go off and do something creative that I needed to do we'll put a link for the book which goes to Amazon and the reason why we put the link to Amazon I, I do apologize to any small book um, store owners and um, the reason we put it on Amazon is because we too as a as a very small team here um, in the business community, we have to fund our website and also um, the website that hosts our podcasts. And so if you buy a book from Amazon that you've clicked on the link from our website, we might get one pence or something. And all of those one pences add up. So go do go and take a look at our website, find the link, click on it. And if you're going to buy it, thank you very much. Our business person that we're focusing on this week is uh, an American technology executive, uh, author and billionaire worth $1.6 billion as of yesterday's date, uh, I believe. She's the chief operating officer of Facebook and founder of leanin.org. Uh, she rose to the board of Facebook in 2012, June 2012, um, and obviously works alongside Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, she was listed in 2012 on the Time 100 as one of the most influential people in the world um, and is, um, it, well, is, is in charge of Facebook. Uh, amongst some of the uh, amongst some of her um, activities she was born in Washington DC and she has championed the the work of women Uh, she's a member of Women for Women International and uh, she I don't know I think she's had quite a tough gig uh, in the position that she's had I mean I imagine she's very well paid and she's rich and all of that. Um, but yes, she, that 1.6 billion is self-made. Yes. So it, it, that worth is not inherited from her family, yeah, according she, to Forbes. Yeah, because she comes from quite quite simple means, I think. Um, quite a difficult person to get a sense of. I did watch um, a, a talk that she was giving at a conference, a, a, which was titled What Kind of Internet? internet do we want and this is where she was looking at what we expect from the internet um, and do we need to rewrite the rules because the internet has sort of evolved it's become this monster in some ways Um, and it's it's about okay what do we want to use it for we want it to be a force for good we don't want it to be about um, spreading hate and people campaigning for you know for for bad uh, we want it to be a positive experience but how do we how do we challenge that how, where's our responsibility and certainly in in recent weeks facebook has been cited as you know being hugely responsible for um, at, um there was controversy about them advertising jobs specifically 
aimed at men in the way that you you, you use Facebook advertising um, and and other discriminatory um, yeah. well, practices. Well, go back a little bit further. Then she's she was heavily involved and, and took the rap for really the the Cambridge Analytica yes. scandal. So a couple of years yep. ago. And uh, she's also under fire for um, an involvement with a plan to discredit George Soros. So apparently a critic on Facebook. So there's a lot of controversy going on Mm. with her. Mm. And mixed amongst that is also a lot of negativity towards her. And I'm not quite sure where that's always coming from. And sometimes a suggestion is... You know, she, because of her gender, and others is because of her approach to leading, and that comes from both men and women as well. Yeah. As, you know, taking offence to the fact either that a woman's leading or a woman's leading in that particular style. But despite all this controversy, Mark Zuckerberg has pledged his confidence in her leadership and future at Facebook. I always wonder about that because oh, whenever I hate that. politicians do that, or, yeah. or football, <laughs> yeah, I've got she's got my complete confidence. Yeah. Uh, I read in an interview with her that um, she'd said she was actually worried about her job. In in a meeting, um, Mark Zuckerberg actually has said it's an article in the Wall Street Journal, by the way. In a meeting, Mark Zuckerberg is. Uh, is claimed to have blamed her personally for the outcome of the Cambridge Analytica scandal. And he he blamed her for the public fallout over Cambridge Analytica. And according to this article, I don't know if this is absolutely true, but the Wall Street Journal says it is, that Sandberg confided in her friends that that meeting rattled her and she wondered if she should be worried about her job. But so far she's still there but there are articles that that look at the ones entitled how the star of Sheryl Sandberg has dimmed and uh, uh, another one is why Sheryl Sandberg Facebook's adult in the room may pay the price for its failings and that led me down a whole other path I thought that to to refer to Sheryl Sandberg as their adult in the room and I thought, what is this? And apparently she was brought in to be the adult in Facebook's executive ranks. I find that a very strange comment, really. And she's taking the heat for all of this. And she is the adult in the room. Anyway, so that that was in a Guardian article from December. And it's talking about the fact that actually it would be very easy for Zuckerberg to... Um, to to get rid of her and let her take uh, the the heat for everything that's going on at the moment. But they did say that it's a measure of her resilience that she's stayed put. It's and certainly a job I wouldn't want to have. No. <laughs> I, I, I just can't think of anything worse. It sounds absolutely awful. Um, but the fact that she was brought in as the adult in the room, I, f- I find... I find difficult. It's almost as if it's a way of the other executive team saying it's not our fault. Devolving responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We brought yeah. her in as yeah, yeah. but Mark Zuckerberg owns the business. Yeah. He is ultimately responsible for all of that. So that may also be a reason why he's ne- not getting rid of her and, and, and sacrificing her because clearly it would reflect badly on him. And um, a lady commented in that same article in The Guardian, Natalie Molina Nino, 
the author of Leapfrog, The New Revolution for Women Entrepreneurs. And she said that the hostility that Sam Bird gets is heightened by her gender. And to quote uh, Natalie, she says, the higher a woman gets in terms of success, the greater the culture that enjoys taking her down. And actually, indeed, a lot of the negative posts, I did have a look on there and on TED Talks and a number of things, a lot of the negative posts were from men. And I, I, you know, I haven't done a detailed research into that. Uh, but l- later on in the article, she does go on to say that actually then women criticise her because this Natalie Molina Nino thinks that her book and, and Lean In project misses the mark because it fails to respect reflect the experience of most women who are balancing work and family. And that what... what um, Cheryl talks about is this particular brand of female empowerment and and she says here that she's out of touch with modern women's notions of what inclusiveness is and um, says that lean in is only applicable to women in the corporate world and that's a very small marginal group and I'm torn I'm not I'm not sure I've I've been in very male dominated industries and found a way to to stand out and to rise through the ranks with with those. I'm not sure that's the, the case for everybody else. So I, I feel a bit conflicted with mm. it. It is, I think it is difficult, the whole, because, I mean, crikey, here we are, two women of a certain age talking on the radio about business, you know, so we've put ourselves in this position. Uh, some people might wish to do this, but not have not feel that they have the opportunity or the right or the confidence or whatever it might be. And some men. And some men, yeah, to do it. So there will always be... So not everybody is is born for success. Uh, So we, 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 you know... and I don't mean, oh, that sounds wrong, actually, to say born for success. You know what I mean? To rise through the ranks, for want and of a better word. And some people choose not to do what it totally. takes to do that. Yeah, and we've already talked about, you know, whether having children, you know, do you do you take a career break? Do you... Do you forge your own business? Do you, you know, what do you do? There are so many things that men and women are are juggling with. I saw a really nice comment that resonated with me, though. So um, Cheryl Sandberg did a TED Talk in 2010. It's had almost nine million views and it talks about uh, why we have too few women leaders. And and a number of the comments filter through a lot of the really bizarre ones because you always get bizarre comments, don't you? There's one one comment really resonated with me. So this woman said, so I argue the way of the future is not to change women to fit in a masculine business world and guide it in a masculine way. She suggests that we now have to look at the ability of women to lead and guide, which is connected to life, which is about loving presence, being in there, intuition, caring, giving space, feeling need, letting go, trusting, expecting, hoping, knowing, flowing. And she says that we need these feminine qualities in order to create a better world. I I liked that. It, it's, yeah, it says, yeah. you know, in order to succeed, do you have to become the alpha? And I think that applies yeah, to men as well because not all men no, no, you want don't. to do the alpha male thing no, and work. So no. do you have to, as a woman or a man, become the alpha or do you use these more feminine qualities to lead? That's sort of where I'm stuck on yeah. the fence. I, yeah, I, I absolutely maintain that you don't need to be like that. Um, it's it, it, If you act like that, it might make it easier, but it doesn't necessarily mean that... You as a person needs to be like that. Uh, Have you got any quotes? Yes, I have got a quote, actually, and it's related to um, 
quite controversial campaign that she was involved in. Um, she and her lean-in organisation sponsored a campaign called Ban Bossy back oh, in 2014. Yeah. And again, this had a personal resonance for me because I have been many times, from a very early age, being criticised, and I will say it's criticism, of being bossy. Yep. I, I sort of see it now, as a little bit older, as being enthusiastic and assuming that everybody else is on the same page as me. Yeah. But I, t- I take the criticism now, but I really recognise where this this comes from. So this quote I've chosen is that women have made tons of progress, but we will still have a small percentage of the top jobs in any industry in any nation in the world. I think that's partly because from a very young age, we encourage our boys to lead and we call our girls bossy. Ooh, yes, yes. Okay, good one, good one. Um, I chose um, quite a simple quote. Motivation comes from working on things we care about. It also comes from working with people we care about. Very good. I think that's all from us for this week. Google Cheryl Sandberg. She's all over Facebook. Um, We'll be back with the business community next week. In the meantime, if you want to listen again, you can visit our podcast, which is at thebusiness.community. You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. Join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.